Akwema Silela is my guest for our business wrap. He's uh, the founder and chief investment officer at Markwe Fund Managers. Markwe, what's AJ Brood? Ah, no, we missed that one. We missed that one, Markwe. The people are already crying for it. So let's do it again. Who's it? You know, the people love that part. Uh, you know, when I greeted you, Ngati Lochani, last week, I got a lot of people saying to me, Ow. And then, and then, what's up with you? <laughs> so, so I have to make sure, Mark, that we do it, you know, the uh, yeah, Tax of London type of way. But, Mark, hey, yes, hey, bro, let's start off there with that uh, Viceroy report. Now, I was saying to our listeners when we started, we're not talking about the Viceroy people drink. You know, in Mkwimbi's uh, there in Guamshanga uh, and in the Eastern Cape. No, 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 not that one. Uh, but Viceroy Research and uh, their short selling research sort of unit. Some of their partners here, three of their partners, slapped 50 million rand uh, for a false and misleading reports on Capitec. Now, I remember this report because it certainly did come after another report which uh, the FSCA suggests was a bit more accurate into Steinhoff. If you give something false and the share price goes up and you know that you are in that position, then you mm. make money. Or if maybe you are not in that position, maybe you have short sale, uh, that, what do you call it, uh, that stock, then you will make money if the share price goes down. Makwe, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a, there would be a fine line here. I mean, uh, how much of this wades into, you know, I guess being a deterrent for more contrarian investors or contrarian analysts, people who take you know, a fundamentally, you know, divergent view from, uh, I guess, a prevailing view in the marketplace. Um, and I guess the second part of that question is, how, how do you prove that I go into that type of analysis with the intention of benefiting, like the profit share agreement that these guys arrived at with a short seller? So, so my, qu- yes, my conclusion can mm. be wrong. Yeah. The question is not to be right with your conclusion, but the question here is you should demonstrate to us that that decision or that conclusion was informed mm. by this particular event. But yes, it might still be wrong. Mm. So, so can I put a position forward, um, which I know is linked to whatever payoff I might get? So if I take a short position on Capitec or even maybe another bank, um, and I know that, yes, there might be evidence to back up my position of why I take a short position, but I, I stand to benefit from it. Uh, if I show yes, the evidence, would I, you know, would I be able, I guess, to to get away with with something like that? No, you can. Remember, the reason you will receive nothing wrong sure. with you benefiting from that, but there's everything wrong benefiting from false information. Because remember, you are taking that out, Aya, as that report to say this is what will happen to this particular company. You publish that. Other investors will also act on that and take the share price down or up. So there's nothing wrong, and that's the reason why we research companies, so that we can decide whether it's a buy or it's a sell. And our yeah. conclusions sometimes are wrong, sometimes are right, but at least if I demonstrate that, you know what, I'm not just being silly here, talking things that I cannot back up, and just like any other decision, mm. you can have your facts wrong, and sometimes your conclusion can be right or wrong, it's okay. Yeah. And yeah. you always have buyers and sellers. Hey. Because and the buyers believe in X, in and you know, Mark, I guess this, this is an example of ha- of somebody hacking the materiality of information in the markets. You know, information sometimes can move markets in different directions. And one of the yes. things the FSCA is saying here is that these guys acted in a self-interested way based on information they should not have had. Uh, that's the part I don't understand. 
remember, ancient markets is a market where you get information to be uh, uh, sent out to all people in the same way mm. at the same time so that the other party doesn't have advantage over the other party. And you are right, all these things have to be moved by information. Whether it's company-specific or whether it's economic or political or social, that will always move the market. Yeah, yeah. Makwe, let's pause here for a second, Brur, and uh, take a quick spot break. But uh, when we come back, uh, I want us to take a look at uh, some of the other stories that have come through today, which I found interesting. One of those, yeah, is the competition tribunal's decision on Coca-Cola. And uh, we do know, of course, the story we're talking about now about Viceroy. We'll pick up again uh, with Unati Kamlana, the commissioner at uh, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. And he's going to be joining us for the second part of our business wrap. But Makwe, let's take this break and uh, we'll continue uh, with uh, the competition tribunal and the Coca-Cola matter after this. Yeah, you tuned in to a Metro FM talk here on the mighty Metro. Now, the South African Broadcasting Corporation uh, would like to warn the public to be vigilant following reports of imposters who are posing as the SABC's officials or agents to gain access to their homes. Now, suburbs have been uh, targeted here, and uh, suburbs we've been alerted to include Turfentine, South Hills, Linmayer, and Oakdean. And the SABC wishes to inform the public that it has not appointed inspectors or officials for purposes of physical inspections of television sets from households. Any person that claims to be an SABC official or agent in order to gain access to a house or premises must be reported to the police as they do not represent the South African Broadcasting Corporation. 22 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Makwe Masilela is my guest uh, for the first part of our business wrap, Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers. And Makwe, uh, what do you make of the story here coming out of uh, Momentum, some of the numbers there? Uh, yeah, showing, I guess, as we've uh, continued to see for many uh, insurers that, are, that play in the life space, uh, that uh, the impact of, uh, you know, higher than usual deaths due to COVID-19 has certainly hammered uh, their liability positions. What do you make of the numbers that have come through from Momentum? What is the likes of the internationals? They had to go back to the shareholders by doing some right issue. Yeah. First, you know, some companies which are exposed to education, you are curious of this world. At some point, they had to go back and ask for money because those... When was the last time, Mark, where, when was the last time you saw rights issues in the insurance space? Long. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> It's been a long, long, long time. And I'm saying, I mean, even with our banks as well, these guys are well capitalized, you know. Mm. They meet all the requirements. But the problem here is, at this rate, if things don't improve, Aya, and we hope it doesn't happen, they have to go back because you will need to make those, uh, what do you call it, um, capital adequacy requirements. And maybe that is why, at some point, when COVID started, mm. the South African Reserve Bank recommended to the guy that please don't pay out dividends. Eesh, yeah, hey. Remember they were not... Capital preservation, yeah. That's what that's what they were talking about. I mean, uh, I remember Kuben Naidu at the time okay. saying, look, guys, I mean, we, we're going to relax liquidity conditions for you guys. But in return, don't go out now and pay, you know, uh, dividends, retire debt and all of those things. Keep the money. I, uh, and just, uh, uh, this is also talking to the point that that is why you find it very difficult to have just ordinary people to become shareholders in this kind of companies because you have to contribute 
to the capital adequacy. That is why you have to be vetted, have to be checked, X, Y, Z, approved by the Reserve Bank before mm. you can become a shareholder of a bank or of an insurance company. Because should something like that happen, that guys, you need to now go back into your pocket and put in more money, you should be able to demonstrate that you'll be able to do that. That's if should a need arise. Mm. But, but I mean, let's talk about the other element of, of this, because some might argue that the onset of COVID-19 has made a lot more people risk averse. Um, so people might end up wanting to ensure more parts of their lives that might be subject to risk events than what they might have done yes. before COVID-19. So that might mean they're signing new business, uh, but uh, we certainly haven't seen that come through in the margins on new business. Definitely it will, but also... Yeah, yeah. Which is not to encourage people to drive around not insured. You know, you can't be driving around because... I just checked the survey how many cars out there that don't have insurance. Didn't they say the majority? I think it's over 40% somewhere there. I stand to be corrected. Yeah, it make it a right, lot of cars. Mm, 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 mm. Mark, but I guess the the other dynamic of, um, you know, of an uh, industry like this, um, if one thinks of the likes of Momentum and many others, is, you know, some of the returns on invested capital because they take our money uh, and they pool it and they invest it in things that uh, are able to generate returns um, yes. Because they know that you know they're not going to pay, be paying consistently year on year the type of liabilities they've had to pay out during this particular moment. How have the capital markets performed, and uh, how has that, I guess, uh, uh, shown up in the numbers of uh, uh, the returns on Momentum's invested capital? Very well. Yeah, it's one of those, Mark. We're one of those. Uh, now let's shift our attention, I guess, to the bottling space. Uh, Coca-Cola. A lot has been happening there. I must add, over the last decade or so. Uh, from the consolidation of the bottling entities uh, to then 2017 acquisition by uh, the parent company uh, of, um, you know, the uh, SAB Miller, the big brewer's uh, stake in the uh, local bottling business. And at the time, I mean, there were some, uh, I guess, conditions to that particular uh, acquisition. Uh, And one of those conditions was to make sure that merger-specific retrenchments are avoided um, and that at least, you know, many of the people who might have been affected by this remain in work. And uh, now Coca-Cola later then said, look, your sugar tax is hitting us hard. There's low demand in the economy. There's an increase in our cost structure. We have to lay people off if indeed we want to keep this business going. Or maybe I should say if we want to keep this business profitable because people don't retrench just for survival. They retrench when they see profitability is not there. Um, So that we're clear on that one. What do you make of how this has unfolded, even before we get to the tribunal, uh, Mark? And uh, I guess uh, the monitoring role that the ComCom played uh, in, you know, saying after FAO had gone to them to say, hey, these guys have breached the terms of what we agreed on um, and how they responded to this matter. I, I guess it's kind of sad and mm. it's a very difficult balancing act. You know, Mark, I always think, you know, these issues are reflective of a crisis in demand. A Coca-Cola wouldn't have issues around its raw material costs or even, you know, a what they call a weak economy because they don't get to the nub of the issue, even a sugar tax, if people had disposable incomes to spend on this particular product or whatever products these guys produce. So the bigger crisis, even if you took away the sugar tax, even if you resolved their raw material cost challenges, uh, one of those being sugar, and I would think there are other sort of raw materials that contribute to those costs, even if you resolve that, you would still be faced by the problem of effective demand in the economy. Not enough people yeah. have money 
or have disposable incomes that can be spent in a discretionary fashion to go and buy Coca-Cola or any of the other brands that these guys have. And I think that for me is the main challenge, that these guys are not going to reinvest in plant if we're not resolving the challenge of getting more discretionary income into the pockets of people so that they can go and spend that uh, in yeah. a way that then you know uh, incentivizes more production and more employment. And for you to get to that, you know, it's, for me, I think that you need to meet X, Y, Z. This is how people should be paid. People should get decent salary. And we don't just want people to get the jobs for the sake of getting jobs. But as you said, people need good, decent mm. salary. And at the same time, the very same people who are getting a decent salary, salary, they should also be productive because that will also in the come back and benefit the very same company that I'm paying you for eight hours and definitely you are giving me my eight hours work, you know. Mm. And that way, it's a win-win for everyone. And yes, you are right, you know, that unfortunately for the investors, I, we just spoke about momentum, you know, other than you've made profit, we're also looking, did you manage to increase my dividend or what? Ah. So shareholders continue to look for more dividends going forward, you know. But the investors, also the investors are so short-termist in their approach. I mean, we hear stories of people sitting on trillions in cash balances. They they say they can't invest it because, you know, their reading of uh, uh, expectations of profitability is not good enough. They don't see the landscape as being good enough. Uh, then some of these reforms come and we're still not seeing this investment. I mean, I was speaking to the statistician general yesterday. Gross fixed yes. capital formation for the second quarter, minimal. You know, aside not from maybe, nine. yeah, minimal aside from a new few mines, you know, buying new equipment to produce more in response to good to a good price environment. We're not seeing it in manufacturing. We're not seeing reinvestment in the financial sector there where you guys are, Mark. So I don't know. What's happening? What's happening here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me, yes, ma'am. Aya, why would I invest in you? Because well, I can make good money. Uh, as simple as that. If I'm not going to make good money out of you, Aya, then I'm going to invest in John. Does that make right? Does, that, does, that, does it make it right? Yes, money-wise it makes right. But socially it's not right. So what are your barriers to profitability? When you sit in South Africa and you look at South Africa and you say, you know what, I would be investing here, but there are very immediate constraints. What are some of those? I mean, I think, let's put aside maybe the energy issue. We know that one. That's the elephant in the room. What are the unfortunately, other ones? Unfortunately, it's labor because you need a flexible labor law. Ah, if labor. I get involved in a situation and yes, the guys on that need it, but it's labor. If I know that I'll be able, look what made China what it is mm. today. Look, Vietnam is, is, is following China. It's just doing well because now that their labor is becoming more cheaper. Because remember, as we said, one of the most cost, in, uh, highest cost in a company is your wages and salaries. Yeah. Ish, you know, these things. It doesn't make it right, but yeah. it's not the reality. But you, as Mr. Government, it's your country. Set up the rules, set up the guidelines. If anyone wants to come here because we've got minerals, because we've got good opportunities, then they will work around those frameworks mm. that you've set up. Ish, it's not power, Mark. You know? No, so that, there should be rules. Remember, yeah, there should be rules that, that say, Mark. That money has to go and and and, and, and return mm. anyway. You cannot mm. forever sit with money on your balance sheet. No, for sure. Because for you'll sure. end up having a lazy balance sheet. You have mm. to go out and look for opportunities to give us return. Mark. Yeah, bro. Last one, maybe uh, before we let you go. I found the story fascinating. I mean, we're talking about labor now né, in the context of South Africa. Uh, some parts of the country, I mean, the province I come from, by the expanded definition, more than half of the pop working age population is out of work. 
in New Zealand, you're sorry, Australia, I should say, because there's the guys were going to be playing on the weekend on Sunday. Yes. 4.6%. Now, this is last week uh, or a few weeks ago, 19 August. I think that's when the data came out in, in Australia. 4.6%. They've got a massive challenge now because it's, you know, harvesting season uh, for many of the winter crops in Australia. They've got a hard lockdown. They can't get people in from the Pacific Islands who normally come in for seasonal jobs in agriculture in Australia. It seems like a mess. It is, you know, and they've got a nice problem, you know, because... Now, I don't understand this. Maybe, maybe Makwe, you are familiar with what's happening here. But there's also a, a demographic challenge in a country like Australia, uh, which is probably the opposite of our challenge here. One, you've got a shrinking population, but also that population is aging. Um, and if you compare that with how heavy a resource and, you know, primary commodity-driven economy Australia is, I mean... You know, they're, they're a mining economy and a massive agriculture economy. I don't know about much manufacturing that happens in Australia. Um, yes. But but I know that in the primary sector, that's where a big part of the economy is. And that's where you probably need very able-bodied people of working age, um, especially in labor-intensive parts, for instance, of the agricultural sector, horticulture, that type of thing. Um, how do they resolve this? I mean, in a context where this virus might mutate, uh, is it a you know a big question mark around getting herd immunity up? Um, and is it an example, maybe, Mark, of what happens when you think of vaccine apartheid? This idea that you think you can vaccinate all of your people, but if you don't vaccinate key parts of your surroundings and even you know parts of the developing world, you might find yourself in trouble. I think it's a case 22 because people still have a right to say we don't have a work in our country. Sure. Well, you give us nice incentives. Look what happened to Dubai when it was growing. You know, we had so many people, you know, working that side because they were getting nice pay. They were not even paid tax. All I'm saying is you have to find a way to attract people to come and work in your industries. And as you said, I mean, with mining and agriculture, I mean, driving the economy, then definitely they need the young, able people who do the right energy mm. to be able to work those industries. So I think they just have to put out some incentives out there, even if COVID gets to they come to an end at some point, which we hope you do it, you know, but you need to attract those kind of laborers. Yeah. Makwe? Let's leave it, Brewer. Let's leave it there. As always, a pleasure catching up with you, and thank you very much for coming through, man. Pleasure. Makwe Masilela, the Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers, joining us for our business wrap. We take a brief break, and uh, when we come back, Sautela Nochangi is the Commissioner at the FSCA, and we're going to talk about uh, Viceroy Research.